but do you know, I'm sure you do, you know it takes more than just words. Wouldn't it be nice if we were just able to declare, you know, in 2020, I'm going to all of a sudden drop 20 pounds and not have, come on, I, I feel the Holy Ghost, and not have to do anything and it just happened. Wouldn't that be good? You know, in, in, in 2020, I'm just going to eat my, I'm going to eat spinach. And it's going to taste like pizza. But you know, that doesn't, that's not the reality. You know, that's not how, how New Year's resolutions work. It's possible to become a better you, but you know, there's some things that you got to change in order to make that a reality. I believe that 2020 is going to be the best year that we've ever had at True Life Church. I believe it's going to be a year of multiplication. I believe it's going to be a year of increase. But there's some things that are going to have to change in order to make that a reality. Can you say amen? And I want to be willing to change. I do. I have two text for you this morning. Would you stand with me? Because I want to honor the word of the Lord. And um, I'm going to take your attention to two key texts this morning. Mark chapter number two. Mark chapter number two, if you have your Bibles. And, um, and then I want us to go over to Acts chapter number two. So you can mark your finger uh, on Mark chapter number two. In Acts chapter number 2, but we're going to read from Mark first. Now, before we just get into this text, I, I, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God is spoken of as oil. Did you know that? But it's also spoken of as new wine. Somebody say wine. And again, I believe that there are new things that God is going to pour into this church this year. We've had a great year. It's been a great year of transition. I believe the greatest things are yet to come. We're kicking off a new series today, All Things New, because I am believing that in this year, there are new things that I am going to experience from God that I have yet to experience. I, I, don't, think I, I don't think I've even tapped even into the big things that God has for us. I hope you feel the same way. No matter how long you've been living for God, he's got something better and something greater. But some things are going to have to change if we want to experience the new things that God has for our lives. If you want to experience new things, would you just wave your hand, just kind of signify, yes, I, I want something fresh from God. Some things are going to have to change. Mark chapter number 2 and verse number 18, Mark chapter number 2, verse number 18, the Bible says, the disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came to him and said, why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, 
and then they will fast in those days. Look what Jesus said. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine. Somebody say new wine. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. New wine must be put into new wineskins. I want to talk to you from the topic, the limitation on limitless wine. The limitation on limitless wine. Would you do me a favor and just close your eyes and ask the Lord to talk to us today? One more time. Father, I pray that you would open every heart today, every mind. I pray, God, that we would never be the same after hearing your word and especially after responding to your word in the altar call this morning. I pray, Father, that there would be a great drawing of your presence to draw people to this altar this morning, that nobody would feel inhibition or fear, but they would come empty and open because they are desiring you to pour something new into them this morning. I thank you already for what you are about to do in the, in the life of True Life Church. I am believing that 2020, Father, is going to be the greatest year that we've ever had. And I pray it all in the name of Jesus. Somebody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Clap your hands as you're seated this morning. God is good. God is good. Um, one of my favorite signs to read and to see, it might be yours as well, I don't know, but it is mine. One of my favorite signs to read and to see has four words on it, and these four words simply say, all you can eat. Come on, somebody. All, is there any witnesses in the house? I mean, all, you know what I'm saying. All you, don't worry about it, that all you can eat. And it even gets better. It does get better. Believe It does get better. It even gets better if it says, you ready for this one? All you can eat, crab legs. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. Wave your hand in the air if, if you got a witness in the Holy Ghost right now. All you can eat crab legs. My brother and I used to go to a Chinese buffet in Michigan because once a week they had all you can eat crab legs. Yeah, they did. They did. And it, it might surprise you, but the all you can eat crab legs, it was so cheap. It was $7.99, somebody. For all you could eat crab legs, and that included your soda. So back in those days, Pastor Ball drank all kinds of Mountain Dew. Of course, I was only about 13 years old. Uh, but all you could eat crab legs and all the Mountain Dew you could drink. Do you feel that this morning? Do you feel that in, 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 the, in the, just moving through the room? All you can eat crab legs and Mountain Dew for $7.99. And it was so cheap. That for so long, we just, it, made, it became a weekly routine, George. Every single week, 
We would go there on Thursdays because that was the crab leg day. Every Thursday, my brother would pick me up, and we would go there, and we would eat with the, you know, with the melted butter, the whole thing. We all you can eat crab legs for $7.99, all the Mountain Dew. Let, let me tell you, if, if you don't believe in miracles, that right there is a miracle. That's, that's miraculous. I don't know. That's miraculous. And, and so that became a, a routine for us. Every Thursday, all you can eat crab legs. And um, it became a routine. Somebody say a routine. It really did. Every Thursday it became routine that we would go there. And, and I, I, I feel like um, we begin to, to just to kind of uh, become accustomed to that routine until one sorrowful day we showed up to that Chinese buffet and all the lights were shut down on that Thursday and the signs were in the windows that said closed. And I'm not talking business hour clothes. I'm talking they had tape on the windows boarded up. I don't know if it was the overeating of the crab legs and the Mountain Dew of Troy and Brandon Ball that shut them down. I don't know if it was our overeating and endless glasses of Mountain Dew that resulted in the demise of that great establishment. I'm not sure. But in either instance, it wasn't until they were closed that it actually sunk in. That we finally reached a point where our perspective had shifted from something so miraculous as all you can eat crab legs and Mountain Dew for $7.99 to that becoming common. Just routine. It wasn't until the sign was closed that our perspective shifted and all of a sudden we realized that we had just taken advantage of that we had just taken for granted this great thing somebody say perspective so there's three things i'll tell you i said in order to receive something new there's three things that have to change they have to adjust in our lives and and and, and would you just shout it with me my first point just help me get started help me get launched this morning that the first thing that has to change is perspective would you say perspective Jesus is walking with his disciples, and they're talking, and they're laughing, and he's teaching, and they're enjoying their time together, and there's laughter, and there's chatter, and all of a sudden, they, they hear this sharp comment delivered in the form of a cynical question, and it was phrased like this, hey, Jesus, why do John's disciples have to fast, and why do the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples aren't fasting can i just it's always amazing to me that it's always it's always the seemingly religious elite that are able to point out little discrepancies or little things in other people while neglecting the things in their own life I think what's so funny and so ironic is, is the words of Jesus, that somehow these folks are able to see any little speck in somebody else's life, and the whole time they remain ignorant of the giant beam in their own eye. And so it was through this tone of criticism that they, they said, you know, hey, wh why, why are we fasting and, and you're not fasting? Why are the Pharisees' disciples fasting and, and you're not fasting? So this question to Jesus is, is posed really not of genuine concern, but I will say I believe it was asked out of a place of personal, spiritual emptiness. 
Because you and I both know as well as them that fasting, fasting, uh, I'm not a fan of fasting, by the way. Is there anybody in the house? Some, some, some of you are really, uh, I mean, I believe in it. We need to do it. But I don't like doing it. Do you like doing it? I don't like doing it. Um, but fasting always moves, it moves us to have a time of willful surrender, I guess, of our spiritual vessels. And, and in that breaking down of my vessel, I become uh, more intimate with the Lord because I surrender my will in exchange for his will. But fasting in the Bible days became traditional. Pharisees fasted, the scholars tell us, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it was just a routine. It was mundane. Jewish society fasted, but they fasted only during times of mourning. It was only during times of emptiness or failure of, or heartache or, or, or confusion. Now, I told you I'm not a fan of fasting, but I will say this. I do fast. But if my best friend was getting married... And he, he, was the, he was the groom, and, the, and he was getting married, and he sent an invitation to my home to come. Come, come be a part of my wedding. You know, on that invitation, there's, I, I actually just filled one out for a friend that's getting married. You know, there, there's food choices. And for this particular friend, there was, I think, three or four different food choices. I mean, it's a fancy wedding, everybody. One of the menu items was beef wellington. And so, yeah, yep, so... My friend, my, my best friend is getting married, and he's, he, again, he's, he's the groom, and he sends out an invitation, and it's, it's you know, I, I am not going to show up. Some of you think I'm, I'm so spiritual. Listen, I'm not going to show up to that wedding and say, ooh, you know, today's actually my fast day. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of got, I, got, I got this holiness thing going on inside of me right now. Matter of fact, you know, if you were really a believer, you'd be fasting even though it's your wedding day. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to show up to my friend's wedding, and, and, and all of a sudden, even if it lands on my fast day, guess what I'm going to do, somebody? I'm going to rearrange my schedule to accommodate what they got going on. You say, now why on earth would you do that? Because they sent me an invitation, and, and they planned a party. They planned a celebration. There's careful preparation going on with the food because they want me to come and to a party with them and enjoy their, their, their marriage ceremony and to eat the magnificent food and to be a part of that special day. And so back to the scripture, while these good people performed religious obligations such as fasting, remained empty, you guys. And while they remained empty, they looked at those closest to Jesus that day, and they seen a group of people that were laughing and smiling and talking with the Lord, and they became uh, a little bit cynical. They became a little bit angry until they asked, hey, why are we fasting and you don't have to fast? Let me, let me say it a different way. Why are, you, why, why are we fasting but you are feasting? Why are we having to be in a season of mourning while you get to be laughing and talking and having a season of joy with Jesus? How are you experiencing joy during my season of doubt? And Jesus says to them in the second chapter, 19th verse, Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. 
Hear what Jesus was saying. He was telling those folks, you have been so concerned with religious obligations and all the while the one you actually want a relationship with is standing right in front of you. You are so concerned with the do's and the do's and the haves and the have-nots. And in one moment, Jesus offers a change from an old perspective to a new perspective. You have always fulfilled religious obligations to a God that you, listen, feel disconnected with. And it's left you empty, and it's left you wanting. And then Jesus essentially says, it is the presence of the bridegroom that actually makes all the difference. It's the presence of God that actually makes all the difference. You can come to church You can participate in worship. You can pray for your food. You can do a lot of different things. Please hear me today out of religious obligation because you are wanting to be a better Christian. You are wanting to be a better person. You are wanting to do all these better better things. But hear me today. You have got to understand that way beyond religious obligation that the most important thing is that you get into the presence of the bridegroom, that you get into the presence of Almighty God, because hear what life has taught me, that you can come and fulfill religious obligations and sit on a pew, and you are empty inside, and you feel like you don't have a relationship with the Lord. The problem is you can become so consumed with the do's and the do nots that you don't have intimacy in the presence of God. And so your perspective has to change that when you step into church, when you step into the presence of God, he is able to change your circumstance. He's able. You can come into his presence morning, and he can somehow miraculously drop a couple little drops of joy in your life. You can come into the church needing healing, being broken, and you can step foot in his presence, and the mender of broken hearts can begin to sew and put back together broken pieces of your life. But it all happens not because of obligations or fulfillment of the do's and the do nots. It happens as a result of your perspective being, I know when I come into the presence of God, he can make old things new things. I don't want any of y'all sitting out here not feeling like you have like, that you are absent from a from a relationship with the Lord all the while performing the do's and the do nots. It's all for nothing if you don't feel intimacy with your Lord. Perspective has to shift. Here's what, here's what the writer of John said. Look at this. He said in, the, in the, uh, John 3, 29, he said, The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. See, it's all about your relationship with the Lord. It's all about your relationship with the Lord. 
how could it be that crab legs and Mountain Dew for $7.99, all you could eat? Something so miraculous could be some, something so common. That's so funny. But I'm going to tell you, how could it be that the church gets so accustomed with, to the miraculous move of the presence of Almighty God that we come and we take for granted and we just come here out of routine? And so our worship is just routine. Our prayer is just routine. We come, we drop off our kids, we pick them up, and we go home. I'm here to tell you, God has something so much more in 2020 for this church. God has something more even for you this morning. He's going to pour something new into your life this morning. I believe that. But once your perspective has changed and you begin to understand God's willingness to pour into your life, you can move from perspective to pre-vision. Perspective to pre-vision. Pre-vision is a feeling or a prediction about future events. Watch this. Now that I know that when I come into the presence of God, he's, he's, he's willing and he's able to do something. Now I begin to come with a prevision. Now I begin to come with expectation. Somebody say expectation. Now I begin to come into his presence saying, oh, I know when I get there the Lord's going to touch me. I know that when the preaching goes forth, God's going to speak to me. And so I get a vision in my mind that, you know what? I got this broken aspect in my heart, but I know when I get into church, God is going to heal me. I know that when I pray for my lost son or daughter or wife, I know God is going to touch. I know he's going to. And all of a sudden, you begin to come with, with a changed perspective, but also a new expectation. You know, I, you, might, you might say, well, I haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet, but I know that today is my day. I'm going to come to the altar. I'm going to lift my hand. I know that God's got greater things in store for me. When your perspective shifts, it changes everything. Expectation makes all the difference. Man. Somebody say hallelujah one time. Yeah. Well, you know, that worship style, Brother Andy, that's, that's great for you, but that's whatever for me. You know. Hey, hey, you know, listen, uh, the, 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 the preaching's okay for you. The small group's okay for you. It's, it's not really okay. It's, it's whatever, you know. I can take it or leave it. Please hear me this morning. The expectation that I want to put out for the Lord you know, and, and if, if that is your, maybe, maybe that is your uh, point of view just this morning when I touched on that, well, I don't, I don't really get the speaking of the tongues thing, or I don't, I understand that perspective. I really do. I really do. But, but here's what I want to tell you. No matter what, no matter what it is that you might be struggling with, set your expectation level not to, you know, this, this is as far as I'm willing to go, but would you set your expectation level to say, Lord, I don't understand this. But if you have something bigger than my mind can conceive, and I, it might make me feel uncomfortable, I, I, but I, I, and I might understand it, but Lord, I want it. If it's actually for me, I want it. I would just ask, you know, we're, we're always going to have differences as, as a body, as a family. Does anybody have a family that you don't have differences with? My God. But you don't break up your family because you have disagreements. But here's what I would ask you to do. Pray with expectation. Lord, I don't understand it. But if it is able for, for, for me to have and it's in your will, then pour it out into my life. I want it. Open expectations. 
It's amazing to me because, I just mentioned the trip to New York, but, you know, let me just talk about this last summer. We went to uh, Wyoming. We went out west. I went out west for the first time, and Crystal said, you're going to love it because I love mountains and country and trees and fish and animals and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Bears. Yep. I, well, that didn't, I don't I like to see them in pictures. I don't like to see them in person. But when I went out there, and she said, you, you, she said, she, and because she, she had been out there before, she said, listen, I promise you, it's going to blow your mind. You're, you, you know, you're just going to love it. And we drove through the Badlands, and I'm just so, I'm so giddy. I'm so pumped. And uh, I had all these expectations built in my head, Brother Eden. I mean, like, like the mountain, I had the scriptures going through my head, you know, like the hills, mountain, uh, and the mountains melted like wax before the presence of the Lord. You know, I had it all built up in my head, and I can't wait to see it. And as soon as our, our vehicle crossed over into Wyoming, and we begin to dip down, actually, into those huge canyons where thousands of feet and rivers flowing through that cut through rocks and come back up and mountains thousands of feet in the air you know the grand tetons huh? i mean just oh my god and and we got off the trail got off way far from society not recommended you know but we were nine thousand feet up in a mountain eight miles from any road or any civilization and we're up there and and i, I just and crystal asked me questions she said well did it you know, does it, does it meet your, your expectations? You know what I realized? I said, no, it doesn't meet my expectations. It, blow, it blew my expectations out of the water. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't even, there's no way I could even conceive or fathom. Like, I thought I could imagine because I've seen pictures. But when you get there, it's like, poof, my mind was just blown and exploded. It is the same thing when you should come to church and you come with great expectations that God you're going to do something new in my life something different in my life and you come with that expectation and you watch and see if God says you think that's great let me show you something greater let me show you something bigger you come with the right perspective and the right attitude and the right expectations and I will blow your mind why will God do that because Paul wrote, and here's what he said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. Do you understand what that text is saying? That you might have came here expecting some big things, some big miracles. God has something even bigger in store for you, even greater in store for you. I believe 2020, I got great plans, great visions. I believe we're going to multiply as a church. But here's what I'm standing on, Brother Andy. Eye has not even seen, ear has not even heard, ear has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. Because here's what I understand. That the God that I serve is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I ask or even think. It is the right perspective in expectation that makes all the difference. Just lift your hands right now where you're at and would you just begin to cry out and worship the Lord this morning? My God. Somebody shout, new wine. New wine. 
Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were all filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Skip down to verse number 12, please, and you'll see that it says, So they were all amazed. These are the crowds. And perplexed. That Greek word, aporio, we're going to come right back to that. And saying one to another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. I'm sorry if it offends you that when we worship God, we get a little outside of ourselves. But I actually take some form of pride that what it looked like in the book of Acts, it looks like at True Life Church. I'm just full on new wine. Aporio, though. Look what the Bible says. It says that the, the crowds were amazed because they came, watch, watch, they came with a, a new perspective when they received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus told them, hey, go wait in Jerusalem. And while you're waiting there, I'm going to pour out my spirit. So they came to church, and they came with a new expectation and perspective. Whew, when we get to that room, God's going to pour something out. And because that, God fulfilled that expectation. Holy Spirit gets poured out, and they begin to spill out into the streets, speaking in tongues, staggering around, so much so that people said they look like they're intoxicated. But there was another word that they used, aporio, amazed. Do you know what aporio means? It means that they were beside themselves. Let me say it another way. They were at a loss. The Holy Spirit was moving in such a powerful way that it made the crowds feel uncomfortable. And so they were at a loss. They did not know what to do. If I'm going to pick a side of the fence to be on during a move of the Holy Ghost, I, I, don't, I know you feel the same way too, church. I, I want to be on the side of receiving the new thing that God is doing. Not a bystander at a loss or worse. A critic. I want to be involved. I want to be directly involved in what the Lord is doing. So when your perspective has changed and you come with a prevision or an expectation of what God's going to do, the final step to receiving a new thing is preparation. Somebody say preparation. Turn to your neighbor and say prepare. So we need a change of perspective. We need a vision when we come to church. But listen, there's got to be some preparation. Mark chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says, no one, Jesus talking, this is Jesus, everybody, no one puts new wine into an old wineskin, or else the new wine bursts the wineskin. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine, somebody say new wine, must be put into new wineskins. Somebody say new wineskins. Okay, watch this. Ooh, this gets good. The Bible days, they only had goat skin. That's what they used for containers. They would make goat skin containers, and they would pour new wine into those containers. And then as the wine would begin to ferment and go through its fermentation process, the goat skin would stretch, Brother Eden, but it would only stretch one time. For them to make a whole other batch of wine is to get a whole new goat skin, brand new, that's unstretched, pour the new wine into it so it can go through its fermentation process, stretch it again. But the thing that they had to avoid was using an already stretched wineskin with new wine because it would only stretch one time. You've got to get this. Woo. Hear me today. When the promise gets poured into you, 
It doesn't, it's not just limited. It begins to stretch and expand. Let me say it another way. It begins to mature. The gift begins to mature. The gift that God pours it begins to mature. It begins to stretch. But it only stretches, here's what Jesus said, one time. And if you try to pour new wine into there and you try to stretch that wine skin again, it's going to burst open because it's not meant to stretch more than one time. And now you will lose not only the new wine, but the wine skin is also damaged. You lose the promise and it destroys the container. It destroys the vessel. And now we see emerge into the New Testament a theme that runs the entirety of the Bible that careful attention must be given not to the miracle but to the container. That it is not the container that affects the magnitude of the miracle. The container affects the frequency of the miracle. You don't determine how big a thing God pours out into your life. You determine how many times God is able to pour into your life. Are you getting what I'm putting down here? So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I want to pour new wine into your life. But some of your wineskins, they've already been stretched one time. And you're refusing to allow yourself to continue to stretch. And if I pour a new gifting into your life or a new thing into your life, it will destroy you because you've not prepared your mind. You've not stretched your heart. And there's many of us, many of us, that upon that initial, think about it, it's what repentance is to receive in the Holy Spirit. It's preparing that wineskin so that when God pours the new wine into your life, there's a stretching that happens. There's a maturing that happens. But in order to continue to grow, Brother Dave, and mature as an apostolic Christian, there's got to be times of consecration where you hit your knees in an altar and say, God, take this mind, take all these attitudes and all these emotions out of me, all these hurts, all these offenses. Remake me so I can have a new skin that you can pour something new and fresh into. Often too many times we limit the number of miracles that God could pour into our lives because we're not willing to allow ourselves to be stretched. God begins to talk to you about something, and all of a sudden, here's what the Bible says. Paul says, it is unrighteous men who suppress the truth. God begins to talk to you and speak to you about certain things. And you start saying, well, Lord, I was okay when it was the other thing. But God, this is so hard. This is so new. And you are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. God's trying to talk to you about remaking over your wineskin so he can pour something brand new into your life. How many want God to do a new thing in your life? How many believe that God can make all things new? Whatever you came here with this morning, whatever's burdening you here this morning, that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. What does it take? It takes a change of perspective. No longer do I come here and out of just routine, I come here with an expectation <laughs> that God's going to do something miraculous in my life. I come here with a change of perception that I know God 
God loves me, and because he loves me, he knows how to give good gifts to his children. I come here with a mindset of preparation that says, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to not do, however you want me to behave, however you want me to talk and act and walk and pray and fast and read, whatever it is, I will do it because I want my wineskin new every time so that you will continue to pour out miracle after miracle after miracle after blessing into my life. The limitation on the limitless wine is our wineskins. It's us. God's new wine is limitless. His blessings are limitless. His miracles are limitless. But you and I have to get to the point, like Christ, to hit our knees and say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Before he would pour out his new wine, he had to humble his own body in his own mind and say, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be nailed to a piece of wood. But I understand there's something that's got to happen in this vessel to make it possible for an outpouring of new wine. Come on, 2020 is the year to take the limits off of the limitless God that we serve. To take the limits off of the limitless God that we serve. I don't want a mediocre relationship with you anymore, Lord. I want intimacy. I don't want religious obligation of do's and do nots. I want intimacy with your presence. <laughs> 